Yes, Father, we come now and we acknowledge that it is your heart, that is all we want, to be swept up in your love, your grand love story that you've lavished out, that you've demonstrated to us, that you've called us into. And we just wanna come now as we come to do communion, as we come to the heart of what you've done, we ask that you come and you speak to us. Lord, open up our hearts to receive all that you have from us. We don't wanna hold anything back. In Jesus' Name, Amen, Amen. Well, feel free to grab a seat there. What a powerful evening. I don't think I've ever done communion and seen a baptism all in one night. So this is a very powerful night actually. And to be honest, well, let me just start out by saying, if, if you're at home and you feel like God has been speaking to you at all, you feel like, um, and if you're here as well, of course, um, if you feel like there's something there, maybe you've, you've felt that same sort of story, there's something missing, um, you've tried many different things. This is a moment now to open up your heart, to receive from Him. So as you're maybe rushing there at home, grabbing your bread and your juice, um, if you're here, feel free to get your, um, your elements ready there. Uh, maybe even start opening them up because that can take a while. Um, but this is actually a time where we want to know the heart of God. We want to experience the fullness that He has. And in fact, what, what He's done for us and what He's demonstrated on the cross is exactly that, His heart. And there's a reason why He calls us to come and remember this, because this is the core of what we believe. It's not something that we just believe, but it's something that we live, His life, is lived out in us. I actually just wanna read quickly from Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, where it says, "'Since we have a great high priest "'who has ascended into heaven, "'Jesus, the Son of God, "'let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. "'For we do not have a high priest "'who is unable to empathise with our weakness, "'but we have one who has been tempted in every way, "'just as we are, yet, he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the relationship that we have. We've heard, we've heard the story tonight. Is that your story? Do you know that? If you know that, this is what we're coming to remember. And if you'd like to know that, this is a chance for you to, in your heart, to open up to all that God has for you. So as we come now, let's remember the incredible sacrifice that Jesus paid on our behalf, the incredible um, event in history 2,000 years ago that's continuing to be remembered today of what He did, the love demonstrated, the love poured out for forgiveness of sins. In 1 Corinthians, we read, that Jesus was having supper with His disciples and it was the night before He was betrayed. And He took bread and He, after giving thanks, He broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
So let's do that now, church. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me, remember the sacrifice, remember the new life, remember the transformation, remember that I'm not distant, remember that I am love. And I've come that you may have life to the full. So we stand here, let's do this, let's stand together actually church and acknowledge the incredible gift that God has given us in His Son. Let's drink together. Father, we come to You now and we thank You. Our hearts are on the line. We're giving everything, we're surrendering all to Jesus. We surrender because of what You have done. And so now, Father, we continue in worship. Lord, we want tonight to be just a testament to the incredible work that You have done and are continuing to do. So we come now, God. We lift up our voices in worship to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, in Jesus' Name. Awesome. Hey, welcome to church. Hey, can we thank the band and all the tech team? They do some very big hours, trust me. I think uh, 6 a.m. starts is the norm for Sunday. So if you feel like joining, come and see me. I don't see any hands because the morning. Hey, we're in a series at the moment um, called The Invisible War. We're doing a church-wide series and it's been really good. Have you been enjoying it? You check your hands up and, um, and it's, it's been really good. It's been really good for me. And uh, so I'm continuing that tonight. I'm going to talk into session three, which is four keys to spiritual warfare, right? And so I want to say up front, there will be a lot more keys than just four, but um, for the sake of a series, we're going to try to combine them into four and just give you four key things that you can take home with you and that you can actually um, begin to activate in your life. Does that sound good? Awesome. I hope you guys at home are feeling really loved and welcome as well um, as you join us um, in this series. I want to give you the four points straight up, all right? So we can give you the four points and then you'll know where I'm going, hopefully, unless I get seriously lost. The first one is this. We all need to know that we are in an invisible war, all right? You need to know that there is a spiritual battle taking place. Point two is this. Why does Satan wage war? Point three is, how does Satan wage war? And the fourth one is, um, your stance in God's victory. They're the four points. And they're the things I'm going to tackle tonight. We're going to look in. And my heart tonight is, and my prayer for you tonight, is that your eyes will be opened afresh not just to the fact that there's a spiritual battle, but to the fact that God's plan and God's purposes far outweigh any of Satan's schemes, all right? I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna get into this. Lord Jesus, I just wanna thank you right now that we can gather like this. Lord, we're really blessed to be able to do that, um, Lord God. And I wanna thank you for all those that are streaming in wherever they are, Lord. And I just ask right now that your Holy Spirit will fall in this place. Will you guide us? Will you lead us? Lord, I pray that you'll open our eyes, open our hearts to the things of you, Father. We know, Lord God, that we need you desperately. 
And so fill us with your truths, your wisdom in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So the Bible tells us that there's actually a lot more going on than the eye can see. It actually tells us that there is a battle raging in the spiritual realm for the souls of men and women. There is a battle that is taking place for my life and there's a battle that's taking place for your life. And it can sound a little bit sci-fi, a little bit far-fetched, but this is what the Bible says. If you turn with me to Ephesians 6.12, I'm doing this from the New Living Translation, and this is what it says. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. I know that you have good fights with your brothers and sisters, all right? Um, That's not the, the enemies we're talking about, even though it might feel like that. But the Bible says it's actually against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, the thing is, when we actually understand this point, that there is a spiritual battle taking place in the spiritual realm, it's not just what we see on our day-to-day, but there's a spiritual battle taking place that actually helps to bring clarity to maybe some of the things you've experienced in life. Maybe it might bring a bit, of a, a bit more clarity to it. Maybe you've had a friend and they've acted in a way and you're like, whoa, that was completely different to anything else I've experienced. Was what the Bible's saying. The Bible says that you are created by God. The Bible says you are created for God. The Bible says that he, he loves to pour out his love for you because you are his children. And what Satan will do is Satan will do whatever he can to distract you from that truth. Now, I wanna say up front, tonight, if you don't know Jesus, I want to tell you this, that Satan will fight with all his might to keep you away from God. And I want to say, if tonight you are a Christian, well, guess what? Satan will fight with all his might to pull you away from the truth that Jesus loves you and the truth that Jesus has got you safe in his hands. He wants to pull you away from that. And it'll be easy for us tonight to get a bit freaked out of either two ways. One person, some people might be like, man, that's fake news. The other people might go the other extreme and freak out a bit and be like, go home and be rocking back and forth here in creeks in their house and thinking, oh my goodness, it's here. That is wrong. <laughs> Can I just say that? And I'll tell you why it is wrong. This is not how God wants us to live because this is so important to note tonight. Straight at the front of this sermon is the fact that Satan has already been defeated by God. And where did he do it? He did it at the cross and it was sealed through the resurrection of Jesus. When he rose again, he said, death can't hold me down, Satan. It's he's stamping his authority. And so for us to know this, we're in a spiritual battle but the battle has been won. But what takes place is the battle continues to wage while God patiently waits for men and women to either hear about the good news or to respond. That's our great God. Like, I could have just imagine he would love to just wrap it all up. You know what I mean? He hates seeing children hurting. He hates seeing his kids 
experiencing this, but he is graciously waiting for more. And until that, Satan will go as hard as he can to pull as many of us away from that truth. So why does Satan do this battle? Well, listen to this. Satan hates anything of God. Satan knows knows that he is inferior to God. Satan is jealous of God. Satan knows that he is no match for God. And if he can't actually beat him, well then what's his next best scheme? Is to attack his children. To break down his children. To draw his children away from his love. And he will pull out every manipulative scheme, every trick, every tactic to distance you from the truth that God loves you, God is for you, God made a way for you to have a relationship with him through Jesus and that God is truth. The very character of Satan is opposite to that of God. You need to know that. This is what John 4, I'm sorry, John 8, 4, 4 says. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning. This gives you a bit of a resume of what Satan's on about. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there was no truth in him. When he lies, it's actually consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Listen to what John 10.10 says. The thief's purpose, meaning Satan's purpose, is to steal, is to kill and to destroy. That's what Satan wants to do in our lives. But my purpose, God's purpose, is to give them, that's you and me, give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, if your mind goes straight to material possessions, that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about knowing the richness of God's favour, the richness of God's promises, knowing the satisfying life of living in the freedom of Jesus. That's what it's talking about. He's coming to give us life and life to the full. And God wants to bring life to you. He wants to restore you. He wants to refresh you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to give you a joy that's not dependent on the ups and downs of life. But the reason Satan does battle is because he hates God and he hates the fact that he loves you so much. So this is how Satan does battle, all right? He deceives and he lies. Uh, Chip, who actually wrote this series that we're in at the moment, brings up some very good points in his series as to what Satan wants to do is this following, or this is how Satan does battle. And he lists a few of them. He says, he wants to deceive you. He wants you to live under condemnation and guilt. If he can get you in a place that you can feel so guilt-ridden and so heavy, then he begins to win a battle. He wants to cast doubt about you. He wants you to be doubting who you are. He wants you to second guess your worth. Satan wants to put doubt about your relationship with Jesus. He wants you to put doubt about God. He wants to put doubts about God's will. He wants you to doubt God's promises. This is is what he does. He deceives and he lies. And Satan longs to break you down bit by bit. Sometimes he does this fast, sometimes, and most times he does this very slowly 
just chipping away at your life until one day you stand in front of a mirror. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your life. And you look yourself in the mirror and you wonder, where did this come from? How did I even get to this place that I am today? Have you ever been in that position? It's a pretty sobering thought. This is where Satan wants to to get you to. For those at home, this is where he wants you to be. He, He will want to erode away the foundation without you knowing it until you realize that it's all gone. That's how he works. He wants to draw you in. Satan has no respect for your life but he'll make you believe he does. He will draw you in. He'll make you feel secure. He'll make you feel special. He'll offer you the world, but then he'll throw you under the bus at just the right time. This is the lies and deceptions that Satan does. This is how he does his battle. See, Satan isn't stupid. Chip says that Satan is actually a student of human behavior. Like he knows the tricks of the mind. He knows how you work. He knows what your weaknesses are. He knows how to grab the unknown hurts that you may have in your life and leverage it to harm yourself and then to harm others. And he loves nothing better to strike at your weakest points at your most vulnerable time. This is a good note to remember. Your weakest points are not necessarily the weak points that you know about. It's the ones that you haven't yet discovered. I mean, sometimes the ones you think, okay, I'm weak here, but I'm starting to get strong. There's underlying ones that Satan's like, well, I'm getting sorted on that one, but I'm gonna come onto this next one. And he wants to do all of this to take your mind off the things of God. See, Satan will use anything. He will distort and blur truth. He will grab something and make it sound so close to the truth, but yet it's not. Have you ever had that before? You're like, you're you're listening to him like, oh, that actually sounds pretty good. But little do you know, there's a one percenter that he slides in there. He wants to use your fear. He wants to create division. You know, by taking something small and building it up into something bigger. I don't know, have you ever had like a disagreement with someone maybe at work or where it is and you've driven, you're driving home and you start these conversations with yourself? Does anyone have these conversations or is it just me? Okay, it could be just me that have these conversations. Anyway, the conversations start happening and I start arguing with myself in some way, but it feels like there's someone beside me and they end up getting bigger and bigger. And I could become a lawyer because some of my responses are amazing, you know what I mean? And I I argue and argue and and then I stop and I I think, look, I'm arguing with no one and and the, the arguments that I'm having have become so much bigger that I can't even remember what they're about. It has nothing to do with the person. You know what I mean? Satan wants to grab these kind of things and blow them up into things that never existed. He likes to pry on these kind of things in our life. He wants you to use your feelings of failure. He wants to use disappointments in your life. He wants to put his finger on the areas that you're struggling with your identity. He wants to use people around you. 
people that come maybe with well-structured ideas and arguments, but at the end of the day, they're very misinformed thoughts, not well-studied, not good background. And he'll sell you these things. I was thinking about this in my own life and I thought, um, I'm gonna send a text out to a, a heap of crew that I do life with and some mates of mine. And so I thought I'd send out and ask them this question. I said, what have been the biggest lies or trick that Satan has used against you in your life? Imagine receiving that text. It's, um, it's a bit of an awkward one, hey. That's why I didn't put myself in that text. I, uh, no, this is what I said, this is what they said. You're not good enough is one that came back. Actually, a few came back like that. Because if you're not good enough, if Satan can get you to believe that, well, then it becomes this comparison, this competition, this bitterness. Maybe you begin to withdraw. Maybe you can begin to feel lonely. The other one that came through was, you're not a good enough Christian. Just give up. Have you experienced that? Another one was, God only wants to hold you back. Another one is, that person is so much holier than you. Have you ever seen that? You've been in worship and there's this person raising their hands. You know what I mean? You look over and you think, man, that guy just, just looks like he's got his life together. Meanwhile, you're sitting there with your head down. Or maybe you're the other one. Maybe you're the one with your hands up and you're looking around and be like, I have got my life together. You know what I mean? I'm feeling really holy. Like Satan will flip these things around. You know what I mean? You're all guilty of it. I know it. I know we've all been there. Like, oh, this is a good day. I'm worshiping good. Your needs are not being met. That's another one Satan presses in. You know, it just stirs that. Yeah, yeah, my, ner- my, my needs aren't being met. You know, I mean, it's, it's about, it's, it's actually about you. Did you not know that? And you'll begin to play on that. There's heaps of them. Oh, let me just list one more. It says this. If you address this area of sin or failure or past struggles, what if people find out if I need to talk to someone about it? Maybe I won't be respected at church anymore. And, and maybe God, because of my past, doesn't, won't use me for his kingdom work anymore. Maybe he won't want to use me for his fullest plans. It's so confusing. And you know what I've realized as I've looked more into this? And then through life as well as I discovered that Satan's greatest area of attack is he focuses in on your mind and your thoughts. See, if Satan can change your thoughts, if Satan can corrupt your thinking, and then he can, can begin to erode your heart and erode your soul. And so he goes straight to your thoughts. And I don't know what that is for you. There's, it could be heaps. Maybe it's thoughts of being deceived in the way of, you know, a relationship or a marriage breakdown and, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, it was all that person's fault. I, I don't know. There, there's heaps of them. But he does all this to distract you from the truth of God's love and God's purposes. See, Satan is a liar. Satan is a cheat. He is a deceiver. He walks around as an angel of light or as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may uh, devour. And he adapts to whatever he may appear or whatever may appear most appealing at that particular time. He'll adapt to it. 
And he loves to grab you at your most vulnerable times. I don't know, but I, I listen to this stuff and you're going through and you might be sitting there tonight and thinking, well, this is pretty glim, isn't it? Like how on earth are we meant to stand up to this? You know I mean, if there is a battle and you're saying, John, there's four keys to spiritual victory, I'm not hearing them. Well, our last point is this. Your stance and God's victory. I want you to read Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 with me. We read a little bit of it before in, in verse 12, but we're going to read a bit more of that. And so follow along with me. Take notes. Pen down things that the Holy Spirit's saying to you. And I want you, as we read this, I want you to begin to think, who is, as we read this passage, who is the victory found in? And what is the stance that God asked me to take? Verse 10 says this, a final word. Be strong in the what? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Notice it never says for you to be strong in your next scheme or strong in your new thinking patterns or be strong in your next self-help project. It says, no, 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 be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power because we're dealing with a spiritual battle here. And then he says in verse 11, he says, put on, there's an action piece for you. Put on all of whose armour? Your armour? No, put on all of God's armour. God is inviting you to put on his armour. So when he says put on, it says every morning, I want you to dwell in this. Every night, think about it, hold on to it. Meditate on it, all of God's armour. So then you'll be able to stand firm. Stand firm on what? Stand firm on the promises of God. Notice it's not saying, come on guys, let's all get together, G each other up, and we're going to charge out of those trenches, you know, yahooing. It's not what it's saying. It's actually saying, I want you to stand firm, which tells me that the battle belongs to who? The battle belongs to God. The battle has been won by God and he is constantly on the throne even though Satan still tries to bring spiritual attack. Keep reading with me. It says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We've read that, come down to verse 13. Therefore, once again, put on every piece of God's armour so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. And then he lists what things he wants you to put on. Here's points. says this, stand your ground. There it is again. Don't go running off thinking you're a hero. Stand your ground. Let God do the fighting and put on the belt of truth. We're gonna come back to that because I love that word truth. But it goes on to say, and the body armour of God's righteousness. This is key for us because when it says God's righteousness, it's easy for us to brush over that. But what that's actually saying is, don't come with your righteousness, don't come with your good deeds, your good efforts. It says, come with God's righteousness. Put God's righteousness on. It's just like a nice big baggy t-shirt you wear to bed. It fits really well. And I'll tell you why. Because God's righteousness 
was given to us when Christ died on the cross and rose again in the very moment you came and said, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've done it the wrong way. My, my life's a mess, but I, you say that I can come as I am. He puts his righteousness on you. God looks down and doesn't see you and your mess and your past mistakes. He sees his righteousness. He sees his son, Jesus. And that's what he's saying. Put on my righteousness. Stop trying to prove yourself to me. Take a deep breath and go, man, I have got God's covering. Keep pushing on with me. It says this, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. The good news that Christ died for you that you've been given a great inheritance, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's the good news. The good news that you can come just as you are. That's the good news. He says that is what will give you peace. Not, all these, not necessarily lifestyle, not necessarily all these things you could purchase, not all these other methods of thinking. He goes, it's the good news that will. And then in addition to all this, hold up the shield of faith. What does it mean, hold up the shield of faith? This is what it means to hold up the shield of faith. It means believing when you don't see it. You know what I mean? You'll be under the attacks of the enemy and you, you're picking up the shield and Satan's throwing accusations at you. Satan's throwing doubt at you, throwing lies at you. And you're holding up and saying, God, I, I, I can't see the end of the light, but your, your word tells me that you're victorious. Or you're standing there holding up. The rest of your mates being like, mate, why didn't you go home with her? Mate, why didn't you grab hold of that opportunity? And you yourself may want to have taken hold of that opportunity because it looked enticing. But you say, God, you tell me that your plans are greater. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit here. And I'm just gonna trust, Lord, even though I can see that opportunity slipping out the back door. I believe you're more faithful. You know, when you see life breaks down around you, far out, it happens. Yeah, you're holding up the shield of faith. God, I believe you were faithful in the Old Testament. I believe you're going to be faithful today. God, I've seen how you've taken people who are so broken and you've moved them. I believe you can do that in my life. God, I've seen your promises. I may not see the fulfillment of it yet, but you say that you are faithful through all generations. I believe that. That's holding up the, the shield of faith. And then he says like this. He says, because once you do, you can stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Now put on salvation as your helmet. Put it on, crown it on your head that you've been saved by grace and grace alone. Christ alone, he has given you a heritance. The father, your father is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the prince of peace. He is the creator God and he chose you tonight. And then it finally says this, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's God's word, not someone else's. It says, take the word of God, devour the truths, devour the promises, be familiar with the promises of God. It teaches you wisdom. It tells of God's faithfulness through all generations. 
And it's through here that you'll find truth. See, this is in the word of God is where you find Satan's lies exposed. The Bible says that the, the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. And that it actually can divide bone and marrow. And if you've done anatomy, you'll realize that's a pretty decent sword if you can do that. And what it's talking about is the fact that through the word of God, God will speak through his Holy Spirit. He will tell you and show you where Satan has such a line which is so close to the truth. He will be able to, through his Holy Spirit, through the word of God, divide what is false to what is true. You know what this passage tells me as I read about? It tells me this, that the battle belongs to the Lord. It's his victory. And what God wants us to do is stand firm and wrap yourself around in his promises. Notice it's all about put on my righteousness. Grab hold of my good news. Take hold of the peace. And Satan hates this. See, why is the belt of truth so critical? Paul uses this picture of the Roman soldier because it would have been something familiar with them in that time. And I think it's a pretty good picture. And I'm not a specialist in the Roman Empire or their military, but in my readings that I've done from good sources, the belt of truth that is being talked about here was, the belt was actually a, a bit of a symbol of who you belong to. You know, the Roman Empire strength and courage. But more than that, the belt, when it says fasten the belt, was what the, most of the rest of the armour would latch to. You know what I mean? It would tie it all together. And why truth? Because Jesus is truth. John 14, 6 6 says this. It says, Jesus, talking to Thomas, doubting Thomas, says, I am the way, Thomas, I am the truth, and I am the life, and that no one gets to God except through me. It's Jesus saying that I am truth. I am who I say I am. If you want to know truth, it's me. Jesus is truth, he speaks truth, he reveals truth. Think about this. If Satan hates the very nature of God, no wonder he hates truth. Because the truth brings life. John 8, 31 to 32 says this. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. You will know the truth and the truth will set you what? Free. Set you free. See, Satan doesn't want you to do the following things. He doesn't want you to have freedom of the soul. See, what you need to do is you need to ground your life in the truth that in Jesus, all right, this is what you need to do. In Jesus, you have been set free from the punishment and penalty of sin. Your past sin, your present sin, the sin that will take place in the future, sealed on the cross. Remember when Jesus hung there, what was his words? It is finished. This is what he's talking about. 
the penalty of death, I've sorted it. I hung in your place so you could be set free because I'm the only one that can deal with the soul. I can, I'm the only one that can deal with sin. Listen to this. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. You need to know that tonight, if you've given your life to Jesus, you are securing God. You are now God's children. His love will never be separated from you. If you can trust God's promise when he says this, whom the sun sets free will be free indeed. If you can trust God at this word, you begin to diffuse so much of the Satan's power in your life. It means no more condemnation on your life. Do you know what condemnation means? It's actually this, expression of very strong disapproval. Do you know that that isn't God? God has actually loves you. And when you come into relationship with him, the sin is wiped away and you're welcomed into his family. Guilt shall no longer be a judge. You've been purchased. Your soul is claimed by Jesus. He's put a sold sign on your life. You need to know that Jesus has won the battle tonight. And for some people here tonight, you need to come to that point of saying, okay, Jesus, uh, I need to come to you. For others, you've asked God for forgiveness, but you haven't accepted it. You're still sitting in the condemnation. You're still feeling the guilt. And what God's saying is don't listen to Satan's lies. Accept the freedom. And allow God to renew your mind with his truth. Allow God to renew your mind with his truth and promises. There's two things. You either can be deceived tonight or you're being lied to. What Satan wants to do in your life is grab things like anger and loneliness. And he wants to distort that. But I want to ask you tonight, will you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak truth into your life, honesty. Begin to ask those moments, ask God in those moments when you just, you know, you're angry or you're lonely and say, God, Holy Spirit, talk to me. What are my true motives for this decision? And then you ask again, you know what I mean? Because the first response is normally not right. And then you say, okay, no, no, tell me what my true motives are. And then normally by the fifth, sixth, seventh time, you finally get to the root of it. You go, okay, I know what it is. What's really at the root of this? Where are these attitudes really based? Allow the Holy Spirit to do that because then we can begin to bring light. And then if you, tonight you're being lied to, you need to allow his promises to set you free. Satan says you're not good enough. You say, well, that's not what the Bible says. He says, you're not a good enough Christian. He said, well, let me just read the Bible here. It says, I've been saved by grace. And guess what? I'm a beautiful renovation project. God wants to just hold me back. He wants to steal my fun. Well, it reads here that God wants to give me life and life to the full. That he knows the plans he has for me. It says... 
this area of sin, I'll never break free of it. He says, I'll journey with you for as long as it takes until it's broken. God has won you to himself tonight. The battle belongs to him. And so when we look at these four points, we've got to realise that we're in a spiritual battle, realise that Satan fights, we get an understanding of how he fights, but we know the victory and we know our stance is in Christ alone. And we're gonna stand right now. And I'm gonna ask God to stir in our hearts. We haven't got too much time because we wanna sing a song. And so I wanna ask now, just why eyes are closed. I ask you to begin to Ask God and ask the Holy Spirit to maybe prompt things in your life. Is there anything in your life that you've been deceived by? You know, anything that people have been asking you to do or maybe been feeling weighed down by the feeling of needing to live up to an expectation or I don't know what it is. Just listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. And if that is, I'm gonna ask you now just to begin to offer it back to God. Tonight, I wanna ask too, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I believe there's people in this room that need to do that tonight. Um, And so I'm just gonna get you to raise your hand right now. If you wanna give your life to Jesus, can we be bold about this? Look, if no one puts up their hand, it's not going to worry me. This is between you and God. But if you say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. It's a stance in the spiritual realm saying, hey, I belong to Jesus. Will you put your hand up? For you at home tonight, if that is you, you can do that at home. You can even press as a button on a few of the different streams of saying I accept or click yes to Jesus. We can't let these nights slip past. And tonight we need to come just as a people in fresh surrenderance to Christ. And the final thing we're gonna do right now is we're gonna sing in the victory of Christ. There's a passage that says, because of the praises of the children, ambushes were set against the enemy. You know, when you praise tonight, when you sing the victory of Jesus, you declare His faithfulness, you declare His promises, you declare that He, the things He did in the past, He will do again. You know that victories begin to take place because Satan gets shut down by the truths and promises of God. Come on, let me pray and we're gonna worship. God, we wanna thank you and invite you again into this time as we lift up shouts of praise to you, Lord, as we worship you. Lord, we ask now that you will be glorified Lord, if the praises of children, Lord God, can set up ambushes against the enemies, well, Lord God, may our praises begin to lift up. Great change in our nation, I ask. And Lord, come by your Holy Spirit and change us to be a people. In Jesus' Name, Amen. I'm just conscious tonight that um, maybe for some of you, you just, uh, you came along and you heard that word tonight. You just felt like that's my story. And there's been areas in your own life that you're just wrestling with. And and maybe it's a guilt thing. Maybe it's a confidence thing, but it's just been targeted in your heart and in your life. And you've struggled to get past that or to get over that. And maybe tonight it's just been a, maybe a recognition or realisation that 
oh my goodness, that, that's been actually Satan attacking that area of my life. And you haven't known why, you haven't been able to get over it. But tonight it's been a realisation, actually, victories in Christ. And I've been wrestling with this all this time and I just need to surrender that afresh to Christ. And I just sensed uh, before we finish the service, I just wanted to pray for you. And you'll know what it is because I know there's at least one. I know one of you tonight have come with that nagging thing that you haven't been able to get over. And I just want to pray for you. It could be you online as well as you're listening. But as we close this service, let's just pray together that this week you'd know the victory in Christ. This week you wouldn't feel the condemnation from the enemy any longer, but you can walk in the victory and the freedom found in Christ. So let me pray for you as we finish tonight. Father, I know beyond I know that there's some here right now that it's been pinpointed an area tonight, it's been brought to the service, that area where they've just felt like, uh, you know, they've wrestled with that, that guilt. They've wrestled with that condemnation. They've wrestled with that thought of I'm not good enough. They've wrestled with the thought of there's no way anybody could love me. They've wrestled with all the thoughts that have come upon them, great God, and I just wanna lift them up to you right now. That person knows who they are and I pray in Jesus' mighty name that right now, that you'd fill them with your love. They'd know your presence, your nearness. They'd know the lies of those condemnation right now because it's not of you, but you're a God who is loving, a God who doesn't condemn, a God who has given victory to all who say yes to you, great God. And so I just pray that this very week they'd walk in the victory, that this very very week they'd say, no, that is not of God, but they would stand on the promises of You this week, great God. They'd know the love of You, the grace of You, the mercy of You, great God, this very week. And that they would walk in that victory. So I thank You for those, I thank You for, for those that have come this very night. You know who they are, great God, and I just pray You'd bless them, they'd know Your love and Your nearness this very week, great God. We thank You as well, corporately together, that victory is in You, regardless of how we might feel. Victory is in You, great God. We thank You, we love You so much, Lord. And I just pray uh, that we'd walk in that this very week. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty and precious Name. And God's people said, Amen, amen. Hey, very good to have you here tonight. So good to have you online and I pray. Uh, if Actually, if you would like prayer at all, feel free to email through to us. We'd love to pray for you this week. But God bless you so much. Whatever you're doing this week, God bless you. May God use you powerfully and we'd love to see you next week. Thanks heaps.